Black Hole Cinema. That's right, we're back for the first time in our new, hopefully uninterrupted, consecutive run. Uh, if you listened previously to our Oscar special, you know that we're hoping to run now fortnightly for a mid-month special, uh, which is this one, and also our monthly roundup, which would usually be released um, on the last Thursday or Friday of the month. So fingers crossed, uh, we'll be here to stay. Uh, joining me, Dan Taylor, this week um, is a first-timer um, on Black Hole Cinema, but someone that's no stranger uh, to the podcast platform, and that's um, Elton McManus. Hello, Elton. Hello, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. Thank you very um, much for inviting me on. No problem at all. We're always pleased to have new guys on the podcast. And it's great to have you because you've got so much uh, experience in the uh, podcasting world. The Black Dog Podcast um, and Shonky Lab, both ones you're regular on. Um, Where can you find those? Uh, First off, you can find the Black Dog at... It's all on iTunes and on Stitcher and all the normal places you can find. Mm -hmm. But the website is Mm blackdog.geekplanetonline.com. And the Shonky Lab, once again, it's all over the place. Wherever you want to grab a podcast from, it'll be there. And that is on shonkylab.road2.com. That's lovely. And Road Road 2 is kind of um, the umbrella, as it were, for quite a number of podcasts. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, for my stuff, uh, it's pretty much my little home on the internet yeah. where I stick all my podcasts that I've ever been involved in on, or you can find a link to whatever I'm involved in on from there, and other little ventures I like to take part in. Lovely. Are you kind of involved in a wide range of kind of podcasts? Obviously, you know, we're specifically talking about film today, but you do you chat about other stuff as well? Oh, uh, well, I, I've always liked talking about films, even though I've discovered I haven't seen any which is quite bizarre, even though I have got an opinion on pretty much everything I've watched. Um, But with the Shonky Lab, uh, I've talked from anything from sandwiches to biscuits to spaceships to aliens, (laughs) covers a wide range of things. And then I've I've also, in the past, just finished X-Files, so I've been doing rethinking the X-Files, and I did a lot lost podcast many many years ago as well so that's all on there you can find links on there lovely job and we can find you on twitter as well yeah elton mcmanus very boring but i thought <laughs> i'd nick it just in case another yeah. elton mcmanus turns up and says oh do you know what i might have that it's, it's funny you say that because for ages um and a long time black hole cinema listeners will know i was called dtt 210291 yeah, and the problem is, is uh, Tony could never remember it. So he said, change the Twitter handle or I'm going to stop plugging you. So I was like, oh, okay. So I, I've changed mine to at um, Dan Thomas Taylor. So mine's nice and boring as well now. But let's get down to business, shall we? We have eight films coming up for you, uh, all released between October 2015 and February 2016. So basically the last time Black Hole Cinema was back on air. So it seems like a good place to kick off the series once again. And coming up first is a massive juggernaut of a film. (laughs) And that is Spectre. You had no authority. None. Mexico City. What were you doing there? I was taking some overdue holiday. 
for those that are unfamiliar with the Bond franchise and, and, and haven't seen Spectre, uh, basically it's all about Bond, obviously, and a cryptic message from his past which sends him on a trail to uncover a sinister organisation uh, named Spectre. While M, who is now played by Ralph Fiennes after the uh, recent demise of Judy Dench's M in the uh, previous film, uh, he battles political forces to keep the secret service alive, while Bond himself, played by Daniel Craig, peels back the layers of deceit to reveal the terrible truth behind Spectre. This one's been decisive. It's definitely not one that was as universally popular um, as Skyfall. Would you agree, you know, or, or are you a big fan still? Um, I struggle with Bond. I always thought I liked Bond whenever I watched it on uh, uh, bank holidays and mm. such. And yeah. I always thought I liked it. And I've always given, uh, I nearly said Craig David then, Daniel Craig <laughs> a go. Um, I've always given him a go. And I, I always thought he was quite good in Casino Royale. I thought that was a spectacular movie. Mm. Um, this time round, though, uh, I felt... It was very, very weak. I, I was not impressed with this one. And that's coming off the back of uh, Skyfall as well. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm a descending voice in the community when it, I turn around and say I wasn't impressed with Skyfall either. Um, I, do you know what? I don't think I actually like Bond. I don't know what it is. Um <laughs> Uh, it's one of these things that you, you discover uh, on, on your journeys and you, you just realise, oh, hang on, I thought I liked that. No, yeah. it turns out I don't. Oh, my God. And then um, watching this, uh, he's oh, he's very rapey in this. <laughs> he's, um, You'll have to elaborate that. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> well, I, I can deal with it. I don't mind this movie um, that... Once again, the set pieces are phenomenal. Uh, they're always pushing the boundaries on these movies. They're always pushing for the, the special uh, hero shots that we have. And you always get them. You, you've got no troubles in getting them in these movies. Um, but he is a misogynist, and it really does shine through, especially when he's killed a couple of people and then walks up to a lady and then wants to have umby pumpy with her. And she's... Kind of, you get the feeling she's kind of sat there going, um, okay, if I don't have sex with you, will you actually kill me? Yeah. And it really puts a funny little taste in your mouth about this. Mm. Um, I know where, they, where they're trying to go with it. You know, he is always a bit blase about this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but, yeah, this time out, I... I think I, f I found that I didn't enjoy Bond as much. It was all right. It wasn't too bad. The bad guy, uh, Christopher... I Christopher remember. Waltz. Christopher Waltz, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's phenomenal in anything. Yeah. He's creepy as anything. He'll, he'll always steal the limelight from anyone that he's on screen with. He yeah. scared the bejesus out of me when I watched uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Yeah, he's brilliant. Oh, my... He, he threw in such a performance, which was amazing. And yet you felt creepy and unnerved as soon as you saw him on the screen. Mm. On this, I felt it was kind of a drunk uncle looking at you. <laughs> Talking away, you know, wistfully, oh, yeah, I used to do that job, blah, 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 blah. He's got this very manneristic uh, way with him. Mm. And 
it comes across every single movie. And yet he, he did it in this time and he felt, okay, I'm not really that scared of you. I don't know whether no. it was the undertones of Bond itself and that just makes, oh, this is clearly the bad guy, so I'm supposed to be scared of him. But I'm, I don't find myself that way. I do kind of get your point about Waltz in, in this. Is that I think you're right about the, about the fact that he is Bond and the way it... Um, you know, treats villains in the past. You know, you'd look back and are there any truly frightening um, villains? Are you are you genuinely scared um, by, by by a Bond villain, or are they kind of all a bit campy um, and it's kind of a you know a throwback? You know, to earlier Bonds to the Roger Moore era where it was all kind of tongue in cheek. And even oh. though they've tried to take it in this darker, um, slightly more grown up. Even influenced perhaps by um, you know the Bourne franchise, trying to take themselves a little more seriously. Even even then, you've got you know Javier Bardem's um, you know character in in uh, Skyfall, who you know sure he gives a fantastic performance, but is he a genuinely scary villain? Yeah. And and Christopher Waltz again, he's you know a phenomenal actor. Um, you know I, I will not be surprised to see him go on and win several more Oscars. And again, in this, he's just not that scary. It's all a bit camp, um, and I don't know if that was intentional or not. But I wouldn't say I don't like Bond. I wouldn't go that far, but I don't think I've got the same love for it as uh, I know lots of people do. Tony Black, of course, who is the uh, kind of lord and master of this podcast, um, you know, he, he, he loves Bond, everything Bond. Um, and a number of guests that we've had on this show in the past feel exactly the same, I guess. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Star Wars a little bit later on. But for the sim- sim- similar reasons to Star Wars, I don't think I was perhaps introduced to it early enough to have that same kind of love for it that um, other people um, might have. So I can maybe look at it a bit differently, um, maybe a little bit more constructively in some ways. Um, and... You know, it, it being said, this one certainly was not as good, in my opinion, as Skyfall, um, and certainly wasn't as good as, as you said, Casino Royale was. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, the, I think the problem with Bond is where I've had it on in the background a lot of the time, and I've, I've kind of got used to it. Yeah. And it, it's only until you start paying attention to it do you realise all its flaws and everything. You, you were talking about mm. the bad guys. Are there any true scary ones the only one i've ever had throughout the whole series of me watching it on and off is jaws yeah yeah and then I, they made him a, a joke towards the end of it anyway yeah yeah even even to a to a degree slightly ridiculous um you know but on on certainly first glance you know he does the you know quite a a scary guy but then as you said you know then you get into it and it, it becomes um you know, a bit of a um, kind of a caricature of himself. Mm. But overall, um, for me, probably was one of the stronger films that um, I've seen uh, last year. There was, there was lots of stuff that I saw that was just okay. At least I went into this and, as you said, we can pick out the flaws, but at least I had a good time and I enjoyed watching it. Um, and, and as you said, the set pieces. So for a um, big screen adventure it was certainly entertaining with all the explosions and the uh um you know gun chases through the street and where for me it fell down uh was 
from the title song <laughs> onwards. <laughs> the, the, first, the very first 10, 15 minutes was brilliant. And then Sam Smith opened his mouth. So uh, that was a bit of a shame. Well, that, um, that constructed one shot piece uh, mm. where you got the guy in the skull mask. Yeah. Um, I don't want to review, uh, reveal who he is, but we kind of know that anyway. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, it's just a wonderful shot that they've just either shot once Mm-hmm. Or they've chopped up many, many different scenes and then spliced them together so cleverly well that yeah. it, it just looks so seamless. Yeah. And it really immerses you into his world straight away. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, uh, Christopher Waltz, eh, he sat down quite a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he had a number and he crossed his legs quite a lot as well. You know, I'm I'm surprised he hasn't got deep vein thrombosis from this uh, movie, but normally he's he's brilliant. Normally, yeah. I just didn't feel that power towards him. Uh, yeah. Monica uh, Belushi. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, she was great in it, but the way that it was uh, portrayed when all the uh, still shots were brought out and oh look, these these are how guys on the new Bond. You think she's going to have a massive part in this. Mm. How long was she in there for, really? Ten yeah. minutes at the most? Well, that's where I can get the actually, you know, I can definitely understand the rapey comment <laughs> with with her character because, you know, she, 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 she's setting her up as if actually she's quite a dangerous woman herself. Yeah. And then nothing. Yeah, Fro- very, very flat. Fro- fro- throws herself at him. It's over. <laughs> yeah, very flat. I am, see, with the... Um, uh, not Spectre, the Skyfall. Mm. Everyone was bigging it up, and so I saw it, and I was a little bit disappointed. Spectre, people generally from my circle were hammering it, and so I went into it thinking, okay, right, this is going to be terrible. Got in with that opinion. Mm. And I I think I came out with a a more positive view than all the rest. Yeah. But I don't think that was saying much. No. No, and, um, yeah, it it wasn't... It certainly wasn't as bad as everyone wanted to say it was. Um, And whether or not it's Daniel Craig's last film or not, I think looking back, um, we'll perhaps have a higher opinion of it than than we do right at this moment. Um, Because I still believe if you compare Daniel Craig to every other Bond, I think he's the strongest personally. Um, and there is a, there is a element of, I guess he's my bond in the same way that if you're a fan of Dr. Who, whatever your doctor first was kind of becomes your favorite. Um, and I think it's very much the same with, with bond. Cause I did kind of watch it out of order. I remember seeing some Pierce Brosnan's in kind of my early teens and not really getting what Bond was all about, um, personally, because I think Pierce Brosnan's the weakest out of all of them. Yeah, very, um, very 90s, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so Daniel Craig really was the first Bond that I fell in love with, um, that, you know, that I fought. Um, you know, yes, I can watch this, I can get behind this. Welcome, James. You came across me so many times, yet you never saw me. What took you so long? Is this really what you want? Living in the shadows? Hunting? 
being hunted. Always alone. I don't stop to think about it. Moving on, we're briefly going to talk about uh, a couple of other films as well. Uh, the first one I'm going to mention is the final Hunger Games film, which is Hunger Games Mockingjay uh, Part 2. Are you familiar with the overall franchise, Elton? Uh, I am aware of the franchise. I've seen half hour of the first movie and then ended up ripping out of my DVD player and then throwing it across the room. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I you probably know the scene where they're... They're on the chariots running into some big hall, dressed yep. in black, fire yep. coming out of them. Yeah. And that's about when I turned it off. <laughs> I think it's, for me, um, I was in a very similar place back when Hunger Games was released and, and the second um, as well. Um, I don't know whether maybe I was being unfair back then. Um, I'd barely seen any of it, um, only from what I've kind of captured going in and out of screens at work. Um, but there was a guy that I worked with um, back when the it was about when the second film was released, who was convinced it was the best films series of all time. He was saying it's you know it's better than Harry Potter. It's you know it's better than um, Lord of the Rings. It's better than Star Wars. And and the argument I he was particularly arguing with me about was it's better than the Marvel franchise. Um, it was about the same time that Winter Soldier was released. Um, so we had kind of a back and forth where I said, no, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. <laughs> and I think it's a bit unfair. I'd barely seen any of it. I was just kind of really, really miffed that he was, you know, really getting on the MCU's case. And it wasn't only that, but he, but he couldn't appreciate the flaws of those films either. Um, at least, you know, I can look at the MCU and go, it's, it's never going to win in any Academy Awards or anything. Whereas he's trying to argue that the Hunger Games was the best film that year and should have won the Oscar. Um, so, <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, so I can sit here and go, yeah, I really, really like Iron Man, but actually, it's 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 an all right film. Um, I enjoyed it, but it, it's it, it's not going to be winning any awards anytime soon. Um, and that's how I approach that franchise. I still think they're great, and I love the films, um, but I don't, you know, look through rose tinted glasses at them, as it were. Um, so my kind of introduction to the Hunger Games franchise was already off to a bad start. Um, when I finally came round to it, it was when I saw Mockingjay, and that's when I thought, "Oh, actually, this is this is all right. It's not bad." So I went back and I watched the others, um, and I thought, "Oh, maybe I was maybe I was you know jumping the gun a bit. It's not that bad. It's okay." And I would argue it is better than any other kind of young adult teen type film um, that we've got kind of out um, kind of within the last five or so years. Um, obviously you've got the Divergent franchise, which I had the misfortune of going to watch the next one later on this week. Um, oh, yeah, I, I keep seeing ad adverts for that and keep yeah. thinking, yeah, I don't think I'll be watching that either. No, no, no. Well, um, we'll be reviewing that one at the end of the month. So I've been given the short straw and I've got to go and see that. <laughs> um, and you've got the Maze Runner. And I was never a big fan of the Harry Potter franchise either. Um, so in amongst those films, in comparison, um, you know, the Hunger Games franchise comes off um, lightly, uh, particularly because I've become a uh, you know, quite a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed the work she's done in recent years, Silver Lines Playbook. Um, uh, Joy, while the film wasn't brilliant, she was, you know, very good in it. Um, well, back, um, going back to Winter's Bones, she was very, you know, very, very good in that. Um, so I think 
players like her um, and, and Donald Sutherland, who I think is, is great in it, um, you know, kind of redeem and, and, and kind of heighten um, the film. The last film, which is obviously uh, the one that was released last November, um, I felt like it just didn't quite hit the right notes. This is the last film in the franchise. It should be big and explosive. And even though it does nicely kind of tie up the story, it just wasn't quite as triumphant as I think I was hoping it to be. Um, and as I said, while I wasn't a fan of the, you know, the Harry Potter franchise, I, I did watch the last one. Um, and I, you know, I thought, yeah, that's, that's a good finale of this franchise. Um, whereas, I was just a little bit disappointed by Marking J Part 2. It just wasn't quite what I was hoping it to be. Um, and I'm just hoping in a few years' time I won't be sitting watching Infinity War Part 2 and feeling exactly the same. <laughs> Have <laughs> you read it, the um, the Hunger Games books then? I haven't, but from what I know, um, I believe Tony has read them um, and a number of my friends have, so that it is quite an honest adaptation of these books. Um, one of the criticisms of Harry, the Harry Potter franchise, for example, is that it leaves so much out. This, you know, the books are so big, it leaves so much out. Yeah. Um, whereas Hunger Games have done quite, you know, have done quite a good job uh, of keeping as much as possible and transposing onto screen. And I think that's helped by the fact that they've worked closely um, with the author, Suzanne Collins, um, you know, to bring her work to life. Um, and while that doesn't always work, <coughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> um, <laughs> having the author involved, I think, does, you know, does often help and does bring then, um, you know, what was in their head to the big screen. Yeah, I see. I'd be interested to find, uh, listen to someone who's read the books and yeah. watched all the movies, and find out whether it was justified in splitting this into to two movies. Pretty much what the, the Harry Potter thing uh, yeah. started. They yeah. they kind of split the last book into two and went. Oh, do you know what? We can make all this money all over again on the second movie. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and it feels a bit of a cop out. Because you're you're still paying double the money to see the same book, it, mm. I, I'd be very interested to find out what people think of that. Whether it is actually justified or whether it was just uh, TV or movie execs turning around and saying, "Yeah, we can made a bag load of money here, mm. and yeah, they will pay for it." Who's who's not going to watch the first three and then not watch the the fourth one? So we'll leave that one there. Um, it'll be revisited a little bit later when we uh, take a look at the roundup of the box office top ten. But before we do that, um, we'll take a look at Steve Jobs. What do you do? You're not an engineer. You're not a designer. You can't put a hammer to a nail. I built the circuit board. The graphical interface was stolen. So how come 10 times in a day, I read Steve Jobs as a genius? What do you do? Musicians play their instruments. I play the orchestra. Steve Jobs takes us behind the scenes of the digital revolution to paint a portrait of the man at its epicenter. The story unfolds backstage at three iconic product launches, ending in 1998 with the unveiling of the iMac. So we discussed this briefly um, a couple of weeks ago when we did the um, Oscar special. Um, unfortunately, 
it didn't pick up um, the awards that I think a lot of people were expecting it to, um, obviously being nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, for Kate Winslet um, and uh, Best Lead Actor uh, for Michael Fassbender, who obviously portrayed the title role. Elton, what were your thoughts? This movie caught me by surprise. I went into into it, watching it, uh, going to watch it, just thinking, okay, fair enough, I'll, I'll just watch this for watching its sake. Mm. And came out thinking, my God, I've, I've seen my film of the year. Mm. I was totally blown sideways by absolutely everyone that was in this. And the way that it, uh, Frankie, uh, not Frankie Boyle, Danny Boyle. Frankie Boyle, who's he? He's a comedian, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. No, yeah. he didn't do it. Danny Boyle, the way that he portrayed it and his vision of it. And, and the three launches, I didn't have a clue what I was going to watch apart from I know that that guy I'm going to watch made my computer. Yeah. And uh, the way that they've done it, I, I I really enjoyed the the cuts, the big three cuts. Mm-hmm. It's it kind of what I wanted to see from this. And the way that it it's all, uh, the, the script is just... Steve Jobs is, is taking on about three or four conversations all at once, and they're flowing so naturally. He's, his brain is just working overtime. He has got four CPUs going off in his brain at once. Yeah. He's a quad core, and he can take on all of these conversations and just flow in between them. Uh, the only downside to this was Kate Winslet's accent, which was all over the place, mm-hmm. which I, I did, kind of took me out. But there were some awkward moments where um, Seth Rogen or Steve Wozniak was uh, confronting Steve Jobs. And it, you can just feel the tension in there. You felt awkward. You you felt like you was one of these people that were watching the preview of Steve Jobs doing his little spiel. And then waiting for the lights to go down. And it, you just felt, oh, you kind of started rubbing your temples. And you, you you were made to feel awkward but that was the whole idea of it to make you feel awkward in there and it, it just done it so well uh, yeah. I thought Kate Winslet was really really good in it uh, Jeff Daniels always puts in a, a stellar performance I thought Michael Fassbender uh, would I have given him the Oscar? I don't know I don't know I'm still debating that but I thought his portrayal was really really good it was mm. it was almost bang on for me. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting you mention um, you know whether you've given the Oscar or not because I argued um, you know quite passionately not so much that he should win it um, even though you know I'm of the opinion that he should but that I guess Leonardo DiCaprio shouldn't have done specifically uh, you know for the Revenant which um, we'll, we'll you know go into more detail about later but from the reviews that kind of came out from people that did know the real Steve Jobs, they said that even though he might not necessarily look exactly like Steve Jobs, he kind of just grew into the role so well that that didn't matter. You forgot. You were almost watching a film. You you thought this was Steve Jobs. It was a, it was a documentary of the life of Steve Jobs. Mm. Um, and I think... You know that's the highest praise possible. The people that knew the man say, "Yes, he, you know, that it was like watching him. That's what it was like." And even though there was obviously, I'm sure, artistic license there to a degree, um, the fact that they were saying his performance is so honest, um, you know, for me, 
surely he deserved it. Um, and it is so different to what Fassbender has done. And I think he's such a dynamic actor. You know, he can do these big franchise roles. You know, he can he can play Magneto, but he can also play, um, you know, th- these smaller, more serious biographical roles. Um, that for me, that's why he deserved it. And, you know, you mentioned Kate Winslet's accent um, and it was such a difficult accent to do that kind of um, European but having lived in America for so long, so yeah. my accent obviously was changing and to try and get that right. And obviously, you know, Winslet mentioned how she, you know, she, she spoke to uh, Joanna Hoffman and, uh, and how obviously she was trying to listen to her accent and trying to gauge the kind of things she does. But she's talking to a woman that's now 20, 30 years older than the woman that she's portraying in this film. Yeah. Uh, so her accent's changed even more. So it must have been such a difficult thing for her to do. Yeah, I understand that. The thing with it is that it would settle down. The accent mm. would settle down. You get used to it and go, oh, okay, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, bang, you kind of hit a brick wall where it's gone, it's turned left. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's what drew me out. Mm. Uh, not saying that she didn't put in a fantastic performance. Um, I thought she was very believable in her role. Once again, all the conversations that she was having with Fastbender, and then it was bouncing back, and then someone else would walk in the room, then she'd have to go off, and it, all the awkward moments felt very awkward. Yeah. You, you felt very awkward in them. You felt as if you'd walked into that dressing room and gone, oh, sorry, wrong door. And yes. <laughs> I, that's the way I felt. Yeah, but all, all I, those moments with Wozniak and Hertzfeld and uh, Chris Ann, all of them were just so tense and mm. so uncomfortable, and they just pitched it so so right. Um, and and uh, you know, you mentioned you know Danny Boyle and and his directing is I think so key. He keeps it so tight, um, and the way we move yeah. with jobs you know he's going down hallways and we're moving and we're swiftly going into these um dressing rooms no cuts or anything the cuts as you said for those three big cuts otherwise it's almost what it's almost like one seamless um kind of run i think if you'd been shown the presentations it would have felt so awkward and so uh, you wouldn't have got the vibe of that presentation you can mm. hit youtube and find them that's that's yeah. not a problem you didn't need them in there you just needed the build up and you needed the the logic behind the build up yeah. for them and then you you can take it however far you want to with that but like you say with the tension you, you kind of burnt calories just watching these guys yeah. you you're all tense all the time and you're kind of worn out by the end of it. It was mm. it was a relief to have it over, but you you really wanted to watch it again. Obviously, it wasn't given a nod for best film. Do you think they missed that was one they missed out on, or were the ones that were nominated definitely of a stronger pedigree? Um, I I, I can't see why it wouldn't be put in there. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I think it is such a because it is almost a, a biopic of it. It, it's a very, very hard film to put in there when you've got uh, action-adventure movies in there. Yeah. I, I don't want to call The Revenant an, an action-adventure movie, but mm. you know, that, that sort of type of film, it's a very pigeonholed movie. And mm. I, I think if you're putting it in there, you're just putting it in there as a token gesture. Yeah, And I, I feel that's why it wasn't stuck up for it. 
Mm. Um, yeah, I, I remember when we were looking through the list, um, saying, you know, what would you drop, what missed out? Um, admittedly, it didn't really come up. Um, but having gone through and look, looked in more detail about what actually was around, um, this is possibly one that I think maybe did miss out. Um, and while I don't think it had a, a shot at winning necessarily... Um, I think that it, it was one that perhaps was overlooked. I hear you've been worse than usual this morning. I didn't think that was possible. It's a system error. Fix it. Fix it? Yeah. We're not a pit crew at Daytona. This can't be fixed in seconds. You didn't have seconds. You had three weeks. The universe was created in a third of that time. Well, someday you'll have to tell us how you did it. Before we switch to the box office top ten, we can't not mention the biggest film of last year, and that obviously is Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> Which I admit I haven't seen. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> okay, well, uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Uh, three decades after the defeat of the Galactic Empire, a new threat arises. The First Order attempts to rule the galaxy, and only a ragtag group of heroes can stop them, along with the help of the Resistance. Why haven't you seen this? Right, so let me explain. <laughs> I'm, I've always been not against Star Wars. That's the wrong. That's the wrong word to use. But I certainly don't have the same kind of um, connection to it that I think a lot of other people do. Um, and it goes back to the fact that it's, it's. You know, I kind of mentioned it when I talked about Bond. I, I never saw these films as a young person, um, and I think to a degree. These are films that are designed to be picked up when you're young and you grow into them. Um, and as the franchise gets older, you get older. Um, and it's obviously the people that, you know, saw the, for, for the, the first three films that actually were the fourth, fifth and sixth films, as it were. Um, you know, it's the ones that saw those three films at that time. Um, or shortly after, before the new abomination came along, um, not this one, but one, two, and three. Right. Makes sense. <laughs> um, it's it's those people that saw the original films before the next three came along. Those are the ones that are completely in love with this. And I'm not saying that there isn't a new generation because there obviously is. Um, the fact that it's taken two billion pounds. Um, worldwide. Oh, he's up to two billion already now, is it? Yeah, two wow. billion. The fact that it's made that amount of money, there obviously is a worldwide love for this film, and I can appreciate that. Um, but I just don't have that connection to it. So for me, it's just something I don't get. No, I understand that. I think when you're you are younger, like you said, you you kind of latch onto a franchise or a group of movies that you you feel like you relate to. And mm. you can draw from, and you can either it it inspires you to do other things, it inspires you to be creative, or it just gets you out and talking to other people that are also like minded, and you can mm. just build upon that. And this is what this type of movie does. Harry Potter did it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole generation of people who grew up with the books and the movies, and the the books on the Harry Potter thing were clever, where they um, you would 
they would go up in ages as the writing would progress as yeah. you read the books, which is a very, very clever way of actually uh, putting it. Once you've got your core group of people from the first book, you're, you've got them, and yeah. they're, they're going to grow with you, and it, it's very clever. Uh, with this, well, with my history of Star Wars, I... I fell in love with, let's say, Empire Strikes Back. I saw Return of the Jedi in the cinemas. Mm. Um, you know, that old. And I, that was my franchise. Uh, yeah. I've seen other franchises come and go. I've tried to latch on to Lord of the Rings. Didn't do it for me. Uh, Harry Potter, I haven't even seen a film all the way through. I pretty much know what's going on. It's just wizards in it. Yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, we could put that in the descriptions. It's about wizards, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, and all, all that thing about people hiding their their children's books with like the adult covers as well, so they don't get abused on trains. <laughs> what the hell is all that about? Um, and yeah, there's been other franchises, like we said about the the Hunger Games as well. But this, I've been waiting for this for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, I didn't mind the prequels. Not to say that they're not entire guff, but <laughs> I can deal with them. There's yeah. there's a lot worse movies out there that I will not watch. Uh, but, okay, going in to see Star Wars, I saw it on opening night, morning, night, whatever one it was. And I had inklings of what might happen. I hadn't been spoiled or anything like that. Had inklings about it. And sat there and enjoyed it. I think I, I think I came out not liking it and a little bit gutted. Yeah. Um, there's many, many reasons. I feel very... If, if I could see J.J. Um, Abrams and a big ham, I'd like to whack him over the head with the ham because <laughs> I thought he he ruined it. He... He sold us a dummy, and mm. there's reasons why we didn't see anything in the trailers. We all saw these lights and flashy things and the spacecraft we know and love, a little bit changed, flying around how we like to see them flying around, but you didn't know about the plot. And why didn't we know about the plot? Because we already knew about the plot. Yeah. And it's, oh, it, he just sold us, okay, so is this a reboot or is this a remake? And he, he kind of had um, remake in one hand and reboot in the other hand, and he didn't know where to go. Yeah. Um, granted, he had a $4 billion contract on his back because of this. Disney have bought this, and so he's going to play safe. He's, yeah. he's got no choice but to play safe. He has people turning around and saying, right, you have to make this work, otherwise the next seven years are going to be hell for us. You've got to play it safe, you've got to do it well, and we want people to come back to the cinema to watch this film again and again, and subsequent movies again and again. Mm. He, for me, he played it far too safe to the point where it is plagiarism from all three movies from uh, four, five, and six. Mm. It, I, I felt gutted, I felt betrayed. Maybe I'm not, I'm not of that age of the age that he's going for the yeah. disney execs are saying okay let's go for the tens 
tens to twenties. We want them. We got them for the next ten years. They'll be up to thirty, and then we can roll it all out all over again. And they'll they'll have kids by then. That's what they're trying to do. They're just here to make money. They don't care about me. They don't care about my feelings, and they don't care whether they've tricked me or forced me to watch utter guff or not. Um, I once again, I I didn't feel like I got the movie that I wanted. It was. What I saw, the visuals were good, the actors were good, I have no problems in them, it's just the basis of what it is set around. It's The analogy I like to put on it is, you're playing Pac-Man, yeah. and, and you're going up the levels, you're going up the levels, you go up to level 10, the background turns green, ooh, brilliant, I'm on a different level. Ah, but no, all the, the mazes that you have to go through are exactly the same, it's just the background is green. Okay, so I got to level 20. Oh, background's orange. Yeah, but the maze is exactly the same. That's what he's done with this. He's just taken all the best parts, and it is pretty much shot for shot. It's, from my point of view, it's an embarrassment, because there are shot for shots. Uh, We have, I'm assuming that we're allowed to spoil the, the bejesus out of this now. Um, I think I think anybody hasn't seen it that wanted to see it. I think they're a bit late. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I do apologise. I thought that that was the whole idea of this. Um, I'm going to continue anyway. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are shot for shots where they've just okay. These type of people are in this situation in the first movie. Okay, well we'll use that and we just put different people in that situation. We'll have this sort of firefight. Okay, we'll nick that as well. Oh, and the big MacGuffin at the end. We'll nick that as well. It's just, oh, Jesus Christ, please have an original idea. And it's put me off anything J.J. Abrams. I was a massive Lost fan, but granted, he only directed the first episode. And do you know why that was good? Because he didn't need to finish it. (laughs) He he just needed to start it. And everyone can come up with a good idea and not finish it. And that's what he's done on this. Mm. I think you could argue that's almost what he did with Star Trek as well. Um, so, you know, he does that with Lost and he did the same very much with Alias and then handed it over. And um, That's not to say I, I, I don't like him. Um, you know, I still think, he, you know, he's a good director. Um, uh, it just maybe his storytelling, as you said, he has the beginning, but where's the middle and end? Um Will you still go and see the next one, though? That's the problem. Oh, I hate myself for it. Of course I will. Of course I will. <laughs> um, I, I saw this on the Midnight Show, and, and I took my son to see it a couple of weeks later because I mm. thought, no, maybe I'm, I was just tired. Maybe I was a little bit grumpy. I don't know. I hadn't had a cup of tea for a couple of hours. It might be something like that. And so I thought I'd take him to see it, and I, I, I found myself checking the watch halfway through oh no no i will be honest that's exactly what i did i i say i haven't seen it i saw about an hour of it and then i thought my local pub shuts in about an hour yeah Um, (laughs) i could go now or miss my pint (laughs) i felt bad my boy came out loving it he was like yeah that was brilliant loved it i was like okay big thumbs up i'm quite happy for that if he's got the the star wars vibe then i'm not gonna destroy that for him that's not a problem. Um, but for me, 
yes, of, of course, I'll probably buy this on DVD as well. I'm a sucker. I'll probably buy it four or five times. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, I'll buy it on the Blu-ray as well. And when the big collector set comes out, I'll buy that. They have my money. The problem is I want the stories. And I felt this was such a weak performance. Yeah. Um, the, the people there, the, the actors on set were brilliant. I thought they were right. There, there was no problems there. It looked glorious. It looked like a Star Wars movie. It felt like a Star Wars mo- movie. But that's because it was three Star Wars movies put into one. Mm. But as you said, your son loved it. And that's, as we kind of mentioned earlier, that's part of the point. It's it's not necessarily for us. It's for him and, and, and people his age. Um, and in 20 years' time, you can actually have this argument and tell him that he sucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the circle of life, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. He might grab onto this and now he's got his trilogy that he'll yeah. love. Yeah, and that I'll, in 20 years when he's moaning about the new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most probably. And I'll be the uh, wobbly old granddad moaning, oh, he was better in my day. <laughs> and he'll be going, no, no, shut up, granddad, shut up, granddad, will be fine. And then I've got my grandson there going, oh, look, Star Wars 24 is amazing. I'm, oh, God, shut up, just leave me alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Star Wars, though, as I said, is already... Um, taken the two billion dollar um, mark, and probably will keep on going because it is still showing in and around um, the big cities. So, if you haven't seen it, and um, as we haven't spoiled anything for you, you can actually go and see it. Um, or if you've been put off by it, then you know wait another ten years and watch the new cycle of films. Yeah, if you are thinking of seeing it and you haven't seen it yet, and you probably know the gist of the movie anyway. I would yeah. recommend watching it on the big screen because Absolutely. then you've seen it on the big screen. You've got the full... You've got the, their full attack on the movie into your eyes. You've then, If you don't like it after that, then, okay, fair enough, you probably won't like it on your own TV. Um, but it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to watch it a million times after that. You're, you'll still watch it. And that's the end of part one. Don't worry, I'm just as surprised as you are, but it seems Elton and I talked for quite a bit longer than we expected to. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with part two, which includes reviews of The Revenant and The Big Short, as well as a couple of other films uh, that Elton and I have seen in the past few months. But until then, make sure you check us out on Twitter at Black Hole Media and at Black Hole Cinema, as well as on Facebook. And you can also find us at our website, www.blackholepodcasts.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in part two. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So... 
What are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.